So today I decided to share my college experience as far as uh, me getting scholarships, how I brought books, and how I kept money in my pocket. So my little cousin is preparing for the college process and so I felt that it would be fitting for me to do a video on how I uh, paid for college, how I paid for my books, where I got my books from, also uh, how I kept money in my pocket in school, and then uh, different programs that I was very blessed to be a part of and how those experiences actually shaped me. So um, I've always wanted to be a pediatrician. That has been what I wanted to be since I was little. So um, once it came time to start going to college, I knew that I was going to study science. Um, and really growing up, science wasn't like my big, you know, thing that I was drawn to. And I don't think I realized I was a little older that science was the like the bone of being a doctor. But, you know, growing up, I was a big history buff. I love history, social social um, studies, and I like math. I like math too. I didn't, you know, English, you know, really wasn't my big strong suit. And science was interesting, but I don't think I ever had a teacher that really made it exciting uh not into um not until college when i was taking organic chemistry i had a professor that really made one of the hardest chemistry classes very um understandable through his style of teaching and it actually made it and it made it made me like the science uh, where most people hate organic chemistry because it's so difficult is so many things that go into um, the course and everything like that. But I would say I've always loved uh, um, social studies and I had a teacher in high school named Miss Bailey that actually, you know, kind of made it even funner because I took, I think, American history in her class, and then I took like an AP US history class. And she always um, made it a point to teach history from a very real place, as far as, you know, giving us, you know, what was on the textbook, but also giving us other books like um, this, it was this book about like myths about American history that that's been taught to I don't know how many people and it's been taught so much that it becomes the norm of what actually happened even though it's not accurate and so I really really loved social studies because of Miss Bailey and she actually made it fun to learn about true history and not just the history that's being regurgitated and being passed on as truth so I was a big social studies girl and um but once I got to my junior year like I always my focus was always knowing that I had to get good grades and I had to get scholarships to go to school so um 
I took honor classes, did really well in them. And um, once my junior year came, I started, well, I had like an office work class. It's literally you work <laughs> for like a, like a period, you work in the office pretty much. And so that allowed me to get very close to the guidance counselors. And so, you know, I did take advantage of outside of, you know, whatever help that they need. I actually got a chance to talk more to the guidance counselor because I'm in there a whole period. And a lot of times, you know, it's not, it's time that um, the other students, they're in class. So, she, you know, she was pretty much free. So, you know, I took the opportunity and we became really close and, and I asked as many questions, you know, about scholarships and what was out there and what was the criteria and everything. And I even applied for things I didn't have all the criteria for it. Like um, there's a program in Louisiana called TOPS. And so if you if you get, uh, I think you have to have at least a 20 ACT. I don't know what the SAT score is because, you know, the, norm, the, the, the popular test to take is the ACT. Uh, in Louisiana, at least. And so you had to have a 20 and I, and there was some type of GPA requirement. And then I remember like the seniors the year before had ended up getting a free laptop. So I was, no, wrong scholarship. That was a different one. I take that back. But anyway, um, oh, so Jeff, and then there was one called Jefferson, Jefferson Dallas for Scholar. So at that time, I didn't have the ACT score. Um, I had taken it, but I had scored too low. And then I had taken an ACT course that my high school actually had. And I had a period of this ACT prep course. And I say it worked tremendously because my score may have went up like four or five points the next time I took the test. And that was the last time I took it. I'm like, oh, I got my score. I'm not taking a test no more. So uh, so um, with the scholarships, I even applied, even though I didn't have the score, but my determination was I'm gonna get the score and I rather had applied and they tell me, oh, you don't have the score versus getting the score and not have applied. So I was like, I gotta get this money because I gotta go to school debt free because you know, I always knew that medical school was very expensive. So I'm like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to get loans, I don't want to have loans for undergrad and for medical school. So I was determined to not have to pay, rather my parents not have to pay anything and not have to take out any loans to get my undergraduate degree. So, uh, I did that. And then, um, I just made sure I kept my grades up, that I kept my GPA high, and I actually graduated uh, number nine in my high school class. So I'm like, I gotta get all these accolades. I gotta look good for the application. And then, you know, I've always had a desire. Like I, I went to, I visited Spelman in maybe my freshman or what year was it? My freshman or my sophomore year of uh, high school. And 
I just always wanted to go to Spelman. Like I was like, I'm going to Spelman, that's my school. And then uh, when it, it was coming closer, then now in the process of actually applying, I chose not to apply because I was deterred by an application fee. I was like, I'm not paying an application fee. It was like $50. So, so I just threw away my dream school because I wasn't paying $50 for an application fee because the other ones I had gotten it waived, but I couldn't get that one waived because initially when I started started it, they was like, we're going to waive it. And then when I went back to complete it, it was $50. And I was like, well, I thought y'all was going to waive it. And it was like, no, we never said that. And I was like, forget that. So I actually um, applied to Dillard University, Xavier University, and Loyola University in New Orleans. Because then, you know, the closer the time came, I learned that there was more money on the table if you went to a local university, that there was more money on the table if you went to a university within your city that you were from or within your state. Because once you start going to out-of-state universities, you start you have to pay the out-of-state tuition and then you have to pay room and board on top of that. So I was like, well, I'm trying to keep this cost as little as possible and get as money as much money as I can. So that was my focus. And then so I got accepted to all three. So uh, Xavier didn't offer me any money, not a dollar, which that is a whole nother story. But I didn't get any offer from Xavier. And the only way, like the only way they were prefacing it is like, I had to give them my mama um, like tax information in order for them to award me any scholarship money. And I'm like, but why? Because the other two universities with the acceptance letter, they say, hey, we have this scholarship that we're going to give you. And this is the amount of money that you would get every semester. So I was like, well, even though Xavier out of the three actually had uh, a pre-med program, which I could have benefited from a whole lot, you know, because it would have been um, a program that was driven from the beginning to to go into the direction of be going to medical school. You know, while, you know, the education at Dillard was very good, I learned a lot, I had great experiences. Their program and different programs they had on campus was more driven for a PhD, not an M a MD. So, uh, and then uh, Loyola gave me, I think the scholarship they gave me was only gonna cover maybe a third or half of the tuition every semester. And I was like, I need more money because uh, out of the three, Loyola is more money Loyola is a bigger university um, than Dillard, especially, but Xavier is pretty is a pretty big university. But um, so I didn't get the money, but I would say Dillard was my ultimate choice. Like I wanted to go to Dillard, but I, you know, I had to weigh my options too. I didn't want to just apply to Dillard and then get in and then be stuck like Chuck, you know? So 
I applied to only three universities. I got accepted to all three and I chose to go to Dillard because I had more money on the table. Jefferson Dollar for Scholar. Um, so I was awarded that scholarship and it stated that the money that they awarded me will only go to Dillard University. So when I applied to it, you write down the universities that um, that you're going to apply to. And I guess ultimately, I guess depending, I don't know really what, what are the factors into the universities that they can, that accept their um, scholarship. But Dillard was on there and I was like, okay, more money for Dillard because Dillard had given me um, a scholarship which covered, I guess you could say it covered half of the tuition and then Jefferson Dollar for Scholar may have covered maybe another fourth of it. And then I was awarded uh, TOPS, which is a Louisiana-based scholarship. I'm not sure if it's around still because I know uh, some years back, you know, they were talking about running out of funds and different things like that. But I hope it's still around because it's a very great program because unlike a lot of scholarships, it actually reward you from keep for keeping it. So like every year that I kept it and I kept my GPA that I was supposed to keep in higher or higher, they gave me more money the next year. So it kept increasing every year, which worked out because uh, when I was at Dillard, the tuition went up like two, three times, but they didn't increase their scholarship. So the increase of the top scholarship actually helped me because it increased to compensate for the increase in the tuition. So I had those three and then um, I had applied, did my FAFSA, which is pretty much you, you're applying and saying, hey, these are the schools I'm applying to and this is the financial situation. So in my case, I use my mama tax return. So based off of what she made, then they determine how much money you were going to get in federal grants. So, uh, so I got the Pell Grant all four years, and then the first year I was getting like some type of freshman grant, but then that went away after the first year. And so, um, pretty much I had four sources of scholarships that paid for all four of my years in college, and then I did not have to pay any money. And every semester, I actually got a refund check back. So what I would do with my refund check is I would um, save a good bit of it so I can have book money for the next semester and then, you know, uh, save some too so I can have a savings. And then um, the rest of it, you know, I just kind of pace myself throughout the semester so I can have money. And then my parents still gave me money, you know. And I was still staying at home at this time too. So I wasn't incurring any um, extra spinach. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then um, the spring semester, I actually applied for a job at Target, which I got. So... 
during breaks, I worked at Target, so I also saved that money to go towards books and to have money in my pocket. So I worked summer 2011, summer 2012, and then summer 2013, as and also winter 11, winter 12. And then summer 13, I resigned and um, yeah, so it was pretty good. You know, I just notified them like, hey, um, I'll be finished school this day. I can start working this day and then I can work to this day. And they scheduled me accordingly until that summer. So um, apparently over that um, between uh, winter 2013, no, I'm sorry, winter 2012 and summer 2013, they had a change of the HR personnel and I wasn't aware, but I did, you know, call as usual and say, hey, I can start working this day until this day. And the previously, I didn't know it was a different lady until I got there. And so, you know, pretty much that will work. I didn't have to do anything extra on my end. I just showed up and worked the shifts that I was scheduled. And then, um, so this particular summer, you know, I had, you know, informed the lady that, you know, hey, this is the day I can start working again. And then this is the day I go, you know, I can, this can be my last shift because then I go back to school. And so once the time came, and so, you know, I just kind of gave a heads up like, hey, this day will be my last day that I can work. And this new personnel was like, well, because, oh, I know what happened. I realized that I was scheduled for the next, then, you know, I was still on a schedule days. I wasn't supposed, I was no longer going to be working. And so I asked, I was like, hey, you know, I, you know, I go back to school this day. I won't be able to work. And she told me I'm responsible for getting somebody to cover the shift. And I'm like, huh? And I'm like, since when? You know, when I, you know, communicated and she was like, oh, you were supposed to do this, this and that. But I'm like, well, why you didn't been tell me this? You know, I was at least here for, if it was the summer, I had summer school maybe the first month of the summer. I was there probably at least a month and a half. Like, at what point were you going to tell me there was suddenly this process that I was supposed to go through other than verbally telling you? So, I got, I, you know, I got a little in my feelings. And so, I was like, well, I'm like, where, where do I, where do, what do I do to resign? Because... I'm not, I'm not being responsible for something that wasn't communicated with me to, to get somebody to cover those shifts. And so, um, I resigned. I came in the next day, wrote up a formal resignation, gave it to like one of the store managers. And, you know, she was like, do you, un you know, you understand that you can't get hired again at Tari? And I was like, yeah, I understand that because I didn't give a two week notice and I was out the door. I was like, now, you know, that was a little extreme, you know, <laughs> just the up and resign. But how, I'm like, how am I responsible for that? How am I responsible for that? But anywho, so, um, 
So always wanted to be a doctor. That was like my ultimate dream. And so when I decided to go to Dillard and um, me and my parents went for like a formal tour. Now I had been on the campus before because when I was um, in great, like when I was younger, me and my brother went to a science program there. So, you know, it wasn't, Dillard wasn't foreign to me. I was aware that, hey, this was a university and where it was. Um, but we did an official tour. And in that tour, the tour guide was telling uh, me and my parents about this program called MSRI. So pretty much it's a science program that Dillard was getting, you know, they had. And so basically what it was is the summer prior to your freshman year, your full freshman year, the fall, um, you got a chance to actually get a head start and take math and science classes. And so I'm like, wow, you know, and then also that summer you got the opportunity to stay on campus. And I'm like, what? I get the campus experience, you know? So uh, I applied and then I was accepted. And so that summer I got to take college pre-algebra. Yeah, so I got to take pre-algebra, which was a, a um, requirement for my degree. And then also I got to take um, chemistry, chemistry one. So I got to take chemistry one and... Um, pre-algebra, which were both um, pre, which were both requirements for my degree. And then I got to take, it was some type of research class, but it counted towards something I can't remember. So, uh, so now, you know, I'm taking two class, I'm taking three classes during the summer and I'm getting to stay on campus. And then on the weekend, I went back home. Yeah, I know it's not that far, but I went home for the weekends um, because like on the weekends, you know, it's in the summer. So it's not like a live campus. And I really wasn't that into social life. I was like, I'm just here to get my education and go, which that's something that if I can turn back the hands of time, I would have gotten more involved, more social because not realizing that's a big place where you you have like the foundation of professional tides and friend groups and, the, you know, your adult friend groups and stuff like that. So I missed the mark on that. And that's something that I have always gotten in my way about being involved in things um, and getting the experience and meeting people and having opportunities to be in places and things like that. Uh, so uh, so I go home and so through the program, you know, I did meet friends and I had a roommate <laughs> and so, uh, it was cool and, you know, had access to, um, you know, had like a meal plan where I could eat twice a day, I think. And then, you know, there was some other people on campus because there were other people taking summer school classes too. So it wasn't completely dead, but it wasn't as many people as it would normally be during the regular school year. And then so, you know, I did have some fun, met some people that end up, you know, continuing to go 
to Dillard and I eventually graduated with a lot of those people. And um, so it was a good experience because it gave me a head start. Uh, and I always had like a head start and I had, I was taking my math and chemistry classes pretty much a semester earlier than I was scheduled to based on the layout of my curriculum. So uh, once my freshman year actually started, oh, and then the MSRI program did give stipends. So I got a stipend at the end of the summer. And then I think they gave another stipend the the fall and then the spring semester. So that money actually came in handy. I saved it. And so, um, so I can have money um, for anything that I need to take care of. And then so my first semester I started off taking, and then I started off taking chemistry two and um, algebra. And then I was taking biology class. And then there was like a first, a uh, first time uh, um, class that all the first years had to take. And I think that may be it. And then also with all the science classes came a lab that you had to take with it. Um, and so all four years of my college, I actually did get a refund. So I was very fortunate, even with tuition increasing, I was able to get a refund. So I was always squared away as far as the finances, because I was determined to always have the means to take care of anything that may have come up and not be limited by not having any money or, you know, just being responsible and not having, not making sure, you know, there was one less thing my parents had to worry about. So um, with most of my books, I, the ones that, now there was some that I had to buy from the bookstore, like the lab books, I couldn't buy offline because those were specific books uh, a lot of them were written by the professor that was actually teaching the class. So I had to buy those in the bookstore. And as we all know, uh, college books can cost a fortune. So um, very early on, I learned a loophole. So uh, I will order all my books off eBay. And it would be like the international version. But the chapters, all the information was the exact same as the current version that the that was in the syllabus so i will order all my books off of ebay i will either find the exact version or um if it wasn't the exact version it'll be like the international version and it'll say you know you can't resell this for um money and then like it would just be like it would be all white and then in the middle, it'd be a very small picture of how the actual book uh, cover looked. So, but it was all the same information. I had no issue with information. And so that's how I got around of like the big cost of school books. So, because a science textbook can run you probably upward to from a hundred to let's say 250 could be more and I'm like uh -uh. 
I'm not paying that kind of money and I gotta keep buying these books. So uh I was getting my books for less than a hundred dollars. So I think I probably was getting them for like between fifty and eighty dollars. That is a big difference. You know what I'm saying? So I would buy all my books there through there. And then the ones that I really needed was only the science ones. I didn't have I didn't buy books for like uh the like extracurricular classes I had to take or things like that. I only bought my major books. So, and then um, I believe like the chemistry book, I got it through the summer program. And it actually, I think was the same book that was used for chemistry too. So I got out of that. And then like the organic chemistry information my professor actually had written a lot of his own. Uh, he had written the the text material, so I had to buy that from the bookstore. Uh, biochemistry. I didn't. I didn't buy a book. Um, the professor at the time. He was. Everything was based on your notes. I don't. I don't even remember having a book to read. So, um, and then biology, I just always just brought the book um, because a lot of that stuff is understanding concepts. So a lot of that you, a lot of like the biology, you can't really get around not having a textbook, but the chemistry you can because the professor can teach you everything unless you don't have an understanding of exactly what the chemistry is talking about. The textbook is not really necessary for the chemistry part of it. Um, so um, that's what I did about books. And then like for eating and stuff. So sometimes I would, well, you know, I eat breakfast at home when I was living on campus. And then during the day, I would eat like either they have a dining hall. So you know, very rarely I will go and get something from there. But a lot of times I was just eating out and finding the cheapest deal. Because uh, my friends in college had vehicles. And then, you know, me and my brother, you know, my brother was my ride to work. So I'm saying not to work, to school. We use my mama vehicle to get to college because he was going to another college in New Orleans. And so... um you know, if I needed something to eat, you know, I had somebody that could take me or was going already. And so uh, I remember uh, when Taco Bell came out with those grillers and they was selling them like $2 even. And, you know, me and my friends would go there and get two and then that would be sufficient until I it was time to go back. It was time to go home and eat whatever my mama had cooked or something that I may have meal prepped because um, I was really very on a good healthy kick back then. I'm getting back, but, uh, and then, you know, I may buy a snack from like the vending machine and it was a uh, actual, like a store on campus where you can buy snacks and stuff. So I would do that and that's how it would fare out. And so that's why it was important for me to have pocket money so I can have money to, you know, eat while on campus. Because some days I would be there all day, like all day until like the evening because some of the labs 
will be will run into like started like at four or five p.m. and you know you just had to make sure you're straight and as far as water I think I brought a water bottle I don't remember it being like a refilling station at the time because you know that wasn't the thing now you know it's more common now but I don't remember bringing I think I may have brought some water with me I don't remember not being hydrated but and then the thing that I wouldn't advise uh, what I would advise against if you if you can please avoid taking um uh, taking the time slots where you have um where you're taking a a three hour course once um once a week. So I had like an African American studies class that the best time that worked for me in my other classes meant that I had to take a 6 p.m. class for three hours. Imagine being in a in a class about history for three hours. And so I couldn't tell you anything. I didn't really retain anything because uh, it wasn't like very engaging to make you stay up that long, but I wouldn't do that again. And I did that with an anthropology class. I took my senior year, it was three hours. And of course it was a late class that may have gotten, I think it may have been five or six, but still it was like the same time frame. And it, I'm not saying that the content is boring. It's, it was already super late in the day and it just didn't make for a good decision. So, um, so pretty much my whole freshman year was the same. I was taking a chemistry and a biology class. And that's pretty much, that was every year, except for my senior year, I was taking a chemistry and a biology class with labs and then other coursework within there. Like I had electives that I had to satisfy my coursework. Like I had to take, I took a music class. Um, then I had to take like PE classes and, um, other classes I took. Oh, then Spanish. Um, yeah. So, um, so, where was that? So, job at Target, refund check, and then, so, my freshman year, I heard about this pre-med program at a university called Boston University. So pretty much what it was is Boston University uh, created this program for minorities. So they work with HBCUs and um, minority-based universities like uh, that have a lot of Hispanic students. Um, and so the goal of the program is to choose a every year 15 sophomores um and basically you you have a seat in a medical school and this was a, this is an effort to close the gap with the number of minorities that become a doctor and so pretty much i had heard about this program all my freshman year and i wanted to do it and then um so you apply your sophomore year and then you get 
accepted into medical school, like a pre-acceptance. Now there's requirements that you have to fulfill between that time and the time um, medical it's time for medical school in order to actually uh, get the seat. But uh, yeah, so I had heard about this and I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be perfect. And um, it's like, it's kind of like a dual enrollment course, I'm say program. And so uh, my sophomore year came and like my advisor, I hadn't heard anything. And then uh, when we spoke about it, it was like the deadline was like within weeks. And I'm like, are you serious? Why didn't you say anything? You know what I'm saying? And so like, I'm scrambling to get the application finished, get my letters of recommendation, everything. And I package everything up and send it off. And so um, like I'm waiting and um, just naturally when you're waiting and, and there's something on your mind, you just start like seeing it everywhere. So I would start seeing, Bo I was seeing Boston everywhere on TV and, and hints of it would come up. And so, um, I think I sent that off in January, February, and then I got a, got the response April. And so they had invited me to Boston to do the interview. So when you go, when you apply to medical school and they um, offer you um, the opportunity to come interview, that's the same process where you go interview and you sit down and you interview with uh, the faculty and, and like the dean and everything so they can get a better feel of you because the application is one thing, but you can give different impression from the actual interview. So I went to Boston for the weekend and uh, met a bunch of different people from other HBCUs and like and predominantly Hispanic universities like University of Texas in El Paso uh, and Carneal Works. Uh, people from Morgan State, uh, Hampton, Spelman, Morehouse, uh, Dillard. What else? The common ones. I think those were the common ones. And But it was, oh, and then it was uh, Tougaloo in Mississippi as well. And then some other places. But so the weekend was the interview. So... Um, I interviewed with a couple of like the faculty from the multicultural department, the, the department that is over that particular program. And then, you know, you get like we went to the aquarium as a group and, you know, I met people that I still have, you know, interactions and relationships with to this day through that program. So. Uh, and then after that weekend, I went back home. And then I guess maybe a month later, within a month later, I got the final decision. So I had gotten accepted. So I was super excited. And so um, summer 2012 and 2013, I spent in Boston taking um, courses, courses that would go towards my degree and also classes that went towards the program and what they wanted to focus on. 
And then also summer 2013, I took a, a Princeton class to prepare for the MCAT. Now, in my opinion, Princeton is more driven on understanding the information itself and not so much like big strategy. So it didn't really work for me. Um, I didn't see much any improvement taking the course because, you know, learning the information wasn't the issue. It was applying the information that was the issue for me. So um, I find that Kaplan is better and now there's so many new ones. And then there's even like a guy on YouTube called Greg, Greg Matt that actually go have his own like uh, course of how to study for the MCAT. And you just was the time. Well, I, I learned of this way after I had um, graduated out of uh, college, but he actually have a course where he makes it accessible for just $5 a month. And his approach is so much easier. Like it's more like understanding and, you know, I would say, you know, do the research and see what is the best prep course for the MCAT and, um, and then, you know, see, you know, how people have adapted to this new version of it that's longer and has has um, more like um, have psychology, more psychology on it and sociology on it and stuff like that. But and then I spent the two summers there and then my entire senior year was in was at Boston University. So I took. Uh, graduate level classes, uh, a graduate level histology and biochemistry class and uh, other coursework to still make sure I was a full-time student and uh, still satisfying that requirement. And I didn't have to pay Boston University's tuition. Um, I just had to pay my Dillard tuition. So, uh, and since I was staying at home I didn't have to pay room and board, so they covered all that. So I got to got the experience without the the cost, and you know I seen how different the the approach to the curriculum was. Like I would say, a lot of teaching styles at Dillard was more like you being able to regurgitate the information that you receive. But when I got there, it was all about application and I hadn't the same difficulty I was having with the MCAT, like that was my downfall. How do, how do I apply this information in ways where it's not the most obvious, where I have to be more analytical about how I'm looking at this information and what is truly being asked of me in questions. Now, nowadays I'm much better at it. And so, you know, now I will have a better chance with studying and practicing to take the exam and actually faring out better because just the nature of my work has really built up those kind of uh, abilities within me and me being able to truly learn, make sure I understand a concept in and out and how to apply it by being able to teach it to other people and 
recognizing it in different forms and scenarios. And so, um, and then one thing that I would say definitely do is at the, when it's time to enroll in your classes, making sure that you are uh, keeping up with what you've taken and what you need to take, because that's what I did. So at when it was time to enroll in classes, I had to meet with my advisor. So I already knew what I was taking and all I needed to do is pretty much see what time slots was available. Well, one semester, um, you know, I had noticed I had an elective that I hadn't satisfied and, you know, my advisor missed it. And luckily that I caught it because then I would have had an issue down the line with, hey, you have this credit you have to fulfill and this is the last, this is your only option kind of thing. And so luckily I, I recognized it and I was able to fill it with a class that, that actually worked and was like, I had like back-to-back -back classes. I had microbiology at 8 a.m. Then I had biochemistry, no, analytical chemistry at 9 a.m. Then I had Spanish at 10 and I managed to fit that one in like at 11 a.m. So I was like, boom, 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 boom. I was like, oh, this 11 a.m. I'm gonna just slip that in. And then, you know, I have a big break and I probably didn't have a class until like two something. But I would say make sure that you're keeping up with your own curriculum and that you know the terms of how your university operates as far as a curriculum. Because I know like, you know, for me, the curriculum that I started my freshman year with was the one that I was to follow. Because throughout my four years, they had added, they had changed some of the curriculum. So the changes didn't apply to me because I was following this, the the curriculum that I entered with. But I don't know if every university is the same and that's something that's very important because you don't want them to change something that then becomes a requirement for you and you're not even aware that it's a requirement now for you. Even though you do have a advisor that's supposed to catch that type of stuff, you know, it's just always good to be able to catch that stuff yourself. So that's a, that's a big thing to making sure you keeping up with your own tracking process that you making sure yourself that you taking the classes and then don't take no three hour once a week class because you're not going to retain anything from that. And then, yeah, you may be gaining more time back throughout the week, but just think about how much information you're not retaining because you're taking this class, this 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 week work the class in one setting and having to probably redo some things, reread some things because you know you may not have retained it all from the first encounter with the material. Um and then So uh, oh okay. and so um yeah I think so my senior year so my senior year I was able to well I took like the the big bulk of like what my remaining classes were I took that I took all of those like fall of 2014 which was the first semester of my senior year and then the second semester of my senior year, I just was taking mostly classes just to satisfy 
me being a full-time student. So I did take the bare minimum, which I think at the time was maybe 12, between 12 and 15 hours. Cause you know, maybe it was 12, but I think I was always used to taking between 15, like 15, maybe 16. And I think 18 was just like intense, but I don't think I ever took 18 in a semester. I don't know. I have to remember how it's broken down. But I took the bare minimum to be a full-time student. And um, and then I actually scheduled all my classes so that I only had classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I had Monday, Wednesday, and Friday off. I had pretty much extended weekend. And um, it, it was, I had, it, it was good because there, it was a lot of stress with like keeping up with the coursework and then being away from home that really had started to kind of take its toll. So um, having some extra days off to kind of unwind, be more sociable and kind of, because uh, I was still studying for the MCAT at the time too, uh, to take it again because I still wasn't getting the score. So I, I think I took it right after the course during the summer and then I think I took it again in the fall and then I took it one more time in the spring I think and I went to Jackson Mississippi and took it and my parents took me to Jackson Mississippi that's how dedicated I was not realizing at the time that I had a not a learning disability, but I had a roadblock. And um, had I known that, I would have known how to counteract it. But uh, what I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. So now I know. So I know all the do's and don'ts when I decide to take a similar journey again. Um, and then like when I was in Boston, we had I had like a meal plan. I could eat um, two meals a day based on how many meals I had a week. So, you know, you can eat more in a day, but then at some point you're going to have, you're going to be short. So I think I had 10 meals a week. No, I'm sorry. It, it included weekends too. So two times seven, I have 14 meals a week. So I'm like, I eat breakfast and dinner and then lunch. I figure out something else because what was really cool about Boston, they had points where you can, they had like a late night kitchen and they had points you that you got every semester that you can use there. They had like um, a Starbucks you could use the points at. And then they had one more other place you could use it. So I was fine because if I couldn't, if I had eaten twice already in for lunch and breakfast, I could eat at the late kitchen or, you know, I can have, if I had, you know, money, I can catch food somewhere else because they had food places. They had a Cordoba that I always went to. And then they had, um, they had a Raisin Cane's too, but it was all the way at the other end of campus. So I rarely went to that one. I think I may have went to that once, but you know, they had other food places because we was, we, Boston University sits right 
at the end. The, the end of the university sits right by Fenway Park where the baseball team plays. So, yeah, of course, they have plenty of places over there where you can do and eat different things. So, my advice is... Um, Make sure you're sociable, you're engaged, and you're getting to know people and building relationships because you never know where those relationships would take you and enjoy being young. And also make sure that you take care of your priorities and make sure um, that you start and you're at least no later than your junior year to start, junior year high school, starting to look for scholarships and seeing what options you have and seeing um, what universities you'd like to go uh, for and what programs you would like to explore and seeing what's your best options for getting best education in that field. And then also, um, if you have to stay home, you know, you have to stay home, you know, not just making as much a, as a responsible choice, you know, if you want to take out loans and that's your prerogative, you know, take out the federal loans. Don't try not to take out any private loans because now say you have the loans, you know, in this process where, you know, they're supposed to be forgiven the loans, the it's federal loans. So if you got any private loans, you know, it, you have to pay that. So I always say get federal loans because um, that's always... They always have forgiveness programs for that and things like that. Even, you know, some people end up going into the military to pay for their college. Some people end up um, going into like doing like forgiveness programs. Like say they once they finish their course, they, their degree, they'll go into what they deem a underserved area and they have to go. They have to work there for a period of time and then they'll wipe the, the slate clean so you know if you find that you know you have to rely on loans I say do it responsibly and in a way where after you graduate it won't become a burden to you and you have a, a plan a exit plan where you don't have to shuck out all that money plus the interest and you paying it for who knows how long you know and then also, you know, if there's any dual enrollment programs in your field, you know, ask about that, explore that. If you have the opportunity to uh, take courses at a different university and get a feel for it, like I did, um, still have that overall college experiences without the price tag like I did, and um, making sure that you're keeping up with your own curriculum and not relying on your advisor to catch everything, making sure you have your own checks and balances and making sure that whatever curriculum that you're following, that um, that's the correct one. And that's the one that satisfy you graduating with that degree. And um, um, make sure you keep your GPA up so you don't lose your money because that happens to a lot of people the GPA go down low and then they lose all the money and then now either they can't go to school or they have to result to loans which wasn't a part of their original plan so you know 
I will say it's not is if you do you know if you do the work and you you realize when you need help if you're falling behind if you do everything in a timely fashion and you stay on top of it you shouldn't have any problems not satisfying your gpa because it's not it's usually it's usually at 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 the mo at the least it's like a 3.0 a lot of them so you know that's like a b average so if you find that you're not gonna make a good grade you know try to say something sooner than later because then you have you have room to do like course reaction i'm saying course course of action and actually get a a, a better grade in that course like you know they have stuff like midterm examinations and stuff so if the midterm you're looking like mm, you know it's you know it's time to start having conversations with the professor about what you know they'll tell you what's the what's what's the what you got to do to pass the class they even either tell you you got to get this on the final in order to get this grade out of my class or you know you know they'll let you know and then sometimes, you know, like in my organic chemistry class, uh, no one really passed a hundred percent. So a lot of times, some classes they end up grading on a curve if the whole class do poorly. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, we always pray for that curve. Hope that <laughs> they were grading on a curve. So at least. Most of us will pass the, the test and stuff like that. So, um, what else? And then if you, if oh, and there's options for employment, like work-study programs that's on campus. So you will go to that during the times you don't have class. And that way you can earn money that way. And for But for me, there was no work-study opportunities available. So that's why I then went and applied and worked at Target. And if you're able to work, and go to school you know and have that balance i say by all means do it but you can also do it like i did and work on it on school breaks that way you can accumulate money um during that time and uh especially like if it's retail like i know target during the winter break i would come i, I would get i would earn a lot of money because it did until some long hours because people were coming there shopping for Christmas gifts and they let their kids tear up the toy section, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of times we couldn't leave until we had everything ready for open. And so, you know, it worked out in that way, even though it's aggravating in a moment like them wanting, you know, certain areas pristine so in the morning when people start coming in you know you got a, a decent store but you know i was just trying to go home and i'm like i already zoned my department so why am i still here okay but yeah so i hope i think that was everything i meant to cover and if not there's always opportunity for follow-up videos but i feel like this was something that needs to be done and I hope that this has been very informative and that you get a lot out of this video and if 
you are some whatever step you are in even if you are as young as a freshman you know it's never too early to have an ideal of things because you have ample enough time to look for money um programs really look into it visit places and things like that because there are there are scholarships where you can apply to them earlier so I say, you know, you don't have to wait till your junior year. It's just that's like the fine cutoff because now that's like crunch time because it's like now I got two years to make something happen to get into, make sure I'm getting into my ideal university. I got all my ideal GPA and everything. And then I always say it, 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 it helps to have advocates too. So if you have parents that advocate for you, you know, and things like that, I would say, make sure if you ever need them to call on them, because, you know, my parents advocated for me. And when, um, I was in a course, <laughs> I was in a course, um, what's, what's that? What's that? Um, I was in a course, I think it was pre-cal, and I couldn't understand what was being taught. I'm like, what is this person teaching? Like, I was like, I'm like, I'm not staying in this class and I'm a f and, and fail it because I have an instructor that don't have the ability to teach, right? And that's how I felt. And I'm like, look, I can't jeopardize my GPA and stuff like that. You know? So I talked to my parents and I got switched out of the class. Yes, I did. But the thing is, you know, they got me out. They was bulldogs. They was bulldogs. They got me out of that class. And then I took a different class because I was just satisfying the credit as at really. It wasn't a requirement. I was just being overambitious. And then, um, you know, my parents was told by the principal at the time that, you know, well, because the, the instructor happened to be a foreign instructor, but it wasn't that I couldn't understand what they were saying. I couldn't understand what they were teaching. Like, it was like the way they was teaching and made it seem like it wasn't even met. Like it was like a foreign language. And I'm like, oh, I can't do this for a whole semester. No. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, the, the principal at the time told my parents that I will, I will have to take this in college, like insinuating, like me getting out of that would mean that I would do poorly in college. And then I wouldn't like, there's a bunch of foreign instructors and stuff, but I can understand the words that was coming out of his mouth. His teaching style was like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? And since I had the choice to get out, I got out. So it's important to have advocates because that same principle intimated that I wouldn't do well once I had had to take the class in college. And you know what? I took it in college and I made an A. So, boom. So, you know, make sure you have good advocates. And if you don't, you can find good advocates because it can come in the form of your teachers. It can come in the form of your friends, parents. It can come in the form of older siblings and cousins, you know. So I say always find your advocates and people who want to support you um, no matter what and be in your corner and be support system for you as you journey through whatever journey you choose to go through. So 
Um, I hope this was helpful. And oh, another advice: if 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 one if once you get into like once you not if but once you get into college, if you see like if you want. If you are on a track to go to medical school or any of those graduate schools, I would say get exposure to them to those standardized tests as early as you can. Like if you can get exposure to it in your freshman year, please do. That way you have time to kind of build the muscle for those for that test because it's an endurance test, and um, and it uh, you have to be able to apply information because that's the that's the nature of the decisions that a physician have to make. Yet they have to make um, accurate decisions. And like, and like, it, for example, if they're ER doctor, they have to be able to make split second decisions that are logic and that are that's accurate. Even if they've been, even if it's the tenth hour of a twelve a, a, a twelve hour shift, you know or longer because they can work very long hours. So, but I hope this has been very informative. I'm gonna leave a lot of stuff in the description box in the note section so that you have something to reference everything I said and look up anything um, that I said as well. So um, use every resource that you have, anybody, even if you heard somebody, Talk about something college-related and you're interested in it. Ask them, you know, because you never know. You never know who can be of a good resource. So I leave you with that and have a good evening or a good morning or a good day. Um, and go for what you want and don't sell your, don't sell yourself short.